1: Hi everybody, welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today we're talking with Dr. Stephen Gundry, who is the Director of the International Heart and Lung Institute in Palm Springs, California, and the Founder and Director of the Center for Restorative Medicine in Palm Springs and Santa Barbara. He's the author of The Plant Paradox and Dr. Gundry's Diet Revolution, as well as The Plant Paradox Cookbook. Dr. Gundry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. Rebecca. So I, I know that you were a very successful uh, surgeon. What um, made you change your direction from that to, to diet as your focus? Well,
2: I, uh, I watched a patient who's fondly known as Big Ed in all my books uh, reverse his inoperable coronary artery disease at the age of 48 uh by uh changing the foods he ate and taking a bunch of supplements from my health food store and I was so amazed with what he was able to do in 6 months time with his coronary arteries that uh, my I had a special major back in the dark ages at Yale University uh on uh, I my major was, my thesis was you could take a great ape, manipulate its food supply, manipulate its environment, and prove you'd arrive at a human being. And I actually defended that thesis and got an honors and then gave it to my parents in San Diego and went off and became a famous heart surgeon who just happened to be 70 pounds overweight despite running 30 miles a week and going to the gym one hour a day and eating a healthy, low-fat diet. And so when big Ed described the diet that he'd used. Uh, It actually put off some light bulbs, and it was actually the diet that I had done my thesis on. So long story short, I, I put myself on that program and started taking some supplements from health food stores, and I lost 50 pounds my first year and lost another 20 pounds subsequently, and I've kept it off for 17 years now. And so I started teaching the patients that i operated on for coronary artery disease uh how to eat after i operated on them and then after about a year of doing this and seeing the results uh i had an epiphany that perhaps i should teach them how to eat first so i wouldn't have to operate on them and that's really dumb if you're a heart surgeon and because <laughs> heart surgery, even in academics, makes a pretty good living, and teaching people how to eat, uh, you don't make a good living. Uh, but I did, anyhow. So um, all of my books have been the result of uh, patients letting me take uh, a bunch of tubes of blood from them every three months that insurance or Medicare phase for, and then looking at the results of uh, inflammation of inflammatory cytokine levels uh, every three months, and we ask them to take certain foods away or to take certain supplements. And the result uh, have been all my books.
1: Well, I you know I think that that's pretty amazing because as you said as well, you you were probably making more money as a heart surgeon, but I think as as a doctor, um, you know, looking at, at wanting to make changes for, for your patients and, and causing them no harm, if you can avoid surgery, you're probably doing them a world of good.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, most, most doctors went into medicine to help people. Um, and unfortunately, most doctors now find themselves uh, spending ten minutes with a patient and basically writing prescriptions, and I think most doctors are, are really quite frustrated that how they ended up had nothing to do with what they originally went into medicine to do. So uh, it's it's been very rewarding to me to to watch somebody you know take care, take over their health.
1: I can I can imagine. Now, your 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 books are are titled "The Plant Paradox." What does that mean?
2: Well, the paradox is that uh, there are certain plants that we really shouldn't be eating, and there are certain plants that we should be eating. And it's actually based on uh, well-described research uh, that I elaborate in the book. One of the hard things that people have come to grips with is that plants actually don't want to be eaten they they have a life and they're subject to evolutionary pressures the same as animals are and they want to grow and they want to make sure their babies grow and so they were here first on earth uh, before animals and then when animals arrived, they had a problem because they couldn't run, couldn't fight, and they couldn't hide. But they're chemists of incredible ability, so they protect themselves in a number of ways. One of which uh, that I talk about in the book, and that's gotten a lot of attention, are lectins. And lectins are proteins that are sometimes called sticky proteins because they actually look to stick to certain sugar molecules in us or their predators. And these sugar molecules line our gut and our nose. They line our joints. They uh, are present in our brain and between our nerves. Um, So they are designed to make an animal uh, not feel good, be ill, be depressed, have brain fog. And the idea that it is that a smart animal will say, you know, every time I, excuse me, there's a helicopter landing at our house. No, no, no. Every time I eat these things, I don't do well, I thrive, and I think I'll go eat something else. And, and this has actually been a very good balance of power between plants and animals Uh, when humans arrived as most of us know we're pretty stupid and so we'll eat plants that actually aren't very good for us uh, but we'll suffer the consequences but we've been able to make drugs that can cover up the consequences and that's what's been so fascinating for me
1: so we're continuing to eat things that that make us sick. That that's what oh. you're you're saying. Whereas other animals will be like, I'm I'm going to walk away from this because I could tell that it's not good for me.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and we we see this. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example that I talk about in the book. Um, cows are designed to eat grasses and weeds. And they have a gut microbiome and a digestive system that tolerates uh, the lectins and grasses and and weeds, and they have been eating these things for millions and millions and millions of years. Uh, When you give cows corn and soybeans, which they were obviously not designed to eat, and and which contain totally different lectins, they get such severe heartburn that they stop eating. Now, if you're trying to fatten a cow, that's not good for business. So uh, half of the world's production of Tums, calcium carbonate, is actually mixed into cattle food to keep them eating, so they don't get heartburn. So uh, one of the things that I see so many many times, and including in myself, I used to have severe heartburn, and uh, you know I would carry tums around with me all the time. And the interesting thing is, when I stop eating lectins, uh, I don't have heartburn anymore. And if you think about it from a plant standpoint, if it hurt me to swallow. Uh, I would say, gee, you know, every time I eat this stuff, uh, it hurts. And I I don't think I should do that anymore, uh, just like a cow won't, won't eat. So uh, if somebody who's listening has heartburn, I can guarantee you it's from lectins, not from stomach acid.
1: Hmm. Um, well, it, it is. A lot of people have heartburn, and this is a, a, a pretty common. Um, yeah. And you know, it, it's it's not taken too seriously. Peop- unless it's uh, pretty chronic, people are given medication, and and off they go. And their doctors don't talk to them about diet, except maybe spicy food.
2: Yeah, and in, in spicy food, interestingly enough since you mentioned it, uh, peppers, which are part of the nightshade family, uh, have huge amounts of lectins in them. And it's not the spice, per se, in uh, peppers. It's actually the lectins in them that are the problems. And in fact, traditional cultures who use peppers always peel and de seed the peppers before they use them, um, because the lectins are actually in the peels and the seeds. Uh, The Southwest American Indians, uh, where peppers originated, always peel and de-seed their peppers before they make chili powder or before they eat the chili pepper. In fact, you can prove this, you can buy a can of green chilies in in the grocery store, and open them up, and you'll see that there are no peels and seeds because they've been removed.
3: Hmm.
1: So, what um, what foods are lectins in?
2: Well, so you know, all all plants have lectins. In fact, animals have lectins. They're a communication system that we use from cell to cell. But there are certain plants that whose lectins are, in the scheme of things, very new. To us. And those include all the grains. Interestingly enough, gluten is a lectin. And gluten, of course, is present in wheat, rye, barley. It's also in oats, even if it says gluten-free. Gluten is a fairly minor lectin in the scheme of things. Uh, and most people don't know that gluten-free foods actually have far more lectins than the gluten products that they replace. That's why uh, about half of my practice is now autoimmune disease, and we have a lot of autoimmune patients who eat gluten-free, and they're they're definitely improved, but they're not all the way improved, and it's when we take away the other lectins that they finally uh, get better. Uh, so lectins are in all grains. They're in pseudo-grains like quinoa. They're in corn. They're in the nightshade family, potatoes, eggplant, tomatoes, peppers, and goji berries. Goji berries are a nightshade full of lectins. They're in the squash family, so cucumbers, zucchinis, yellow squashes. Uh, they're also in... To beans you know, from the Americas, peanuts and cashews, they're not nuts at all, they're legumes, and they're in beans and legumes. Uh, there's actually one company called Eden Foods that pressure cooks all of their beans and lentils, uh, and pressure cooking... Uh, is the only known way to destroy all lectins except gluten. Gluten unfortunately can't be destroyed with a pressure cooker, which is too bad.
1: Oh, Dr. Gundry, are you with me still? i uh, still there. Oh, oh, you cut out there. Um so so with most of these products, you're saying that they can be destroyed, the lectin can be destroyed in a pressure cooker?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the modern pressure cooker um, has been just an amazing advance in a lot of ways. It, as I talk about in, in The Plant Paradox in the cookbook, uh, it's not your grandmother's pressure cooker that explo- exploded in the kitchen all over the ceiling. Uh, And my mother actually exploded one when I was young. Uh, (laughs) These are, they look like rice cookers. They act like rice cookers. They're kind of one-touch button, and they don't explode. And they not only cook food much quicker, but if someone, say, wants chili with tomatoes and peppers and beans, it's a really easy way to, you know, have your chili Without the risk of what the the beans and the tomatoes and the peppers are going to do to you?
1: Well, that's that's really interesting and encouraging. So so glutens the only thing that that can't be put in the pressure cooker to be made differently, so that would have to be avoided. But then other things, if they're peeled and pressure cooked, could be consumed safely depend, I'm guessing depending on tolerance.
2: Yeah, we've, uh, again, I, I see large numbers of people with autoimmune disease, and the pressure cooker has really been a lifesaver for so many of them, because, for instance, you don't even have to peel and de-seed a tomato if you use a pressure cooker, or mm-hmm. peel and de-seed a pepper. Now, uh, if you peel and de-seed tomatoes, as traditionally it's done in Italy and France, you uh, mm-hmm you don't have a problem if you peel and de-seed cucumbers as traditionally it's done in Greece and France and Turkey, you don't have a problem with them because, again, the peels and the seeds are are where they are in these um, plants.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Stephen Gundry. He is the author of The Plant Paradox. We'll be back shortly.
3: at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events
0: your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness
1: hi everybody welcome back today we're talking with dr. Stephen Gundry and uh, he's the author of the plant paradox so dr. Gundry you've mentioned a couple of things that that people experience when they're consuming le- lectins but I'm, I'm guessing it's it's more than that can you just tell us what somebody would be experiencing um, if it, if these uh, proteins are making them sick
2: well, You know, Hippocrates, 2,500 years ago, said that all disease begins in the gut, and he was actually incredibly prophetic, because I, after 17 years of research, uh, agree with what Hippocrates said, you know, a long time ago, and that all disease does begin in the gut. And one of the things that's impressed me, that lectins uh, have been shown over and over and over again to bind to sugar molecules in the lining of our gut and to cause the cells that are held tightly together uh, to break apart. And when this happens, uh, you get leaky gut. And leaky gut is actually a real thing. If you'd ask me 15 years ago I would have probably laughed you out of the room that that was pseudoscience but now in fact science has shown that underlying almost everything that happens to us whether it's arthritis whether it's depression whether it's heart disease uh, whether it's uh, dementia uh, it's all actually because of leaky gut and when these The lining of our gut is supposed to prevent bacteria and bacterial particles and lectins from getting through the wall of our gut. And when this doesn't happen, and lectins, which are foreign proteins, and pieces of bacteria, which are called LPSs, lipopolysaccharides, which look and act exactly like living bacteria, but they're actually dead bacteria, get through the wall of our gut, our immune system is stimulated to cause inflammation. Now, inflammation is a funny word, and inflammation, just again for your listeners, if we get a splinter underneath the skin, uh, it gets all red around that splinter. And that's because the splinter is actually a foreign body, a foreign protein. And that redness is our immune system, our white blood cells, uh, assembling an army that's literally attacking this splinter. And that's inflammation. Well, imagine that this happens fairly silently, constantly, every day, that there's this redness happening wherever there's a leak through our gut or wherever these particles uh, wind up in us, whether it's in our liver, whether it's in our brain, whether it's in our joints. Uh, For instance, we can take somebody with an arthritic joint and stick a needle in their joint and take some fluid out and look at it under the microscope, and we can actually see Uh, lectins, and these LPSs in the joint, and that is actually what's causing the inflammation and subsequent arthritis, and uh, so uh, Hippocrates was right. All disease begins, and I say ends, in the gut.
1: Um, which I, I definitely agree with. I, I don't think anybody can get better if their diet isn't, isn't good for them. Um, and, you know, they're eating fast food and that kind of thing. Um, but one of the things with what you've listed of what um, lectins are is that a lot of people who are choosing to be healthy may actually be doing themselves a harm.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, really the the whole idea of whole grain goodness uh, started about 50 years ago. It actually began with William Kellogg um, in the early 1900s who ran a uh, sanitarium uh, in Battle Creek, Michigan, and he believed that the key to health was good bowel movements and he wanted people to eat whole grains to have good bowel movements. And he actually couldn't get his patients to eat whole grains because they didn't like them. So he tricked them and ground them up and made Kellogg's cornflakes and the rest is history. Uh, and really, the whole idea that whole grains are good for us is, is actually based on... Uh, fake news, as Donald Trump would say. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, A few months ago, a uh, beautiful young uh, Japanese woman who is an author and Deepak Chopra's representative in Japan uh, flew actually to see me to thank me uh, out of the blue. And she uh, for all of her life has had uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and it was so bad that uh, she's about 30 years old and already has had two knee replacements and has been on two immunosuppressive drugs. Uh, despite eating a brown rice macrobiotic diet, which she, and an Ayurvedic diet, which she was assured was the best diet for her. And she was in incredible pain. A friend gave her the Plant Paradox book last December and uh, she, actually embraced it, uh, and uh, within four months she was off of her immunosuppressants and pain-free, and she actually flew from Japan to meet me uh, to, you know, to tell me what had happened, and that's that's very similar. Uh, Two months ago at the American Heart Association Epidemiology and Lifestyle Medicine Conference, I presented a paper of 102 people with autoimmune disease, uh, proven by biomarkers, who went on my program for six months, and at the end of six months, 95 out of the 102 people were negative for their autoimmune disease and off of all medications, Uh, and so that's a 94% either cure or remission rate, depending on how you wanted to find it. And we see that all the time. And In fact, I told you, I just saw some patients who flew in from Hawaii this morning, uh, and the husband had markers for lupus, and his markers for lupus are now completely gone uh, just by following this program. And so we see this uh all the time that healthy foods, things like whole grains, like cashews, like peanuts, like beans, uh, are actually one of the problems with people's diets. And when we we get these foods away from them or have them use a pressure cooker, uh, their problems resolve.
1: That's um, that, that's amazing, um, you know, because we're we're told if we have autoimmunity, that's for the rest of our lives. Um, but you know, by changing our diet, and I would assume then in those 94% of people that you've treated, um, that that it the autoimmunity was being caused because of the the foreign protein in their body that they couldn't deal with.
2: That, that's exactly right. Um. And I talk a lot about this in The Plant Paradox. Um, this was first described by a professor at Colorado State who's fairly, fairly famous, Lauren Cordain, who was the original father of the paleo diet. And uh, Dr. Cordain, who I know, uh, calls this molecular mimicry, that these lectins or foreign proteins that Actually, the protein itself looks very similar to other proteins in our body. And our body basically mistakes them for, for instance, our thyroid or for our joints or for our nerve or our myelin sheath and, and attacks it. Uh, we've, we've recently seen that this uh, occurs in almost every autoimmune disease as is the underlying cause so when we remove these foreign proteins um, the immune system calms down and uh, things get back to normal
1: oh that that's amazing and, and very encouraging
2: yeah you know if I was taught that you know autoimmune disease is you know you there's nothing you can do about it if you have it you have it i mean you can take immunosuppressive drugs but um that's actually not true you you can reverse autoimmune disease
1: it's pretty amazing and and you know like you said that i want to go back to the the whole grain aspect because that that is how i grew up i mean my parents were were conscious about health but um, in a way, now that I I think that they probably even look at and go, oh my goodness, <laughs> what, what did we do? Um, the amount of of wheat that we were using because we were following the the Canada Food Guide, um, and uh, you know we had to get our certain amount of grains in, and we yep. had to meet these requirements, and um, you know with with me having celiac disease and then others in the family affected in in some way we're not quite sure um we were probably just causing a tremendous amount of harm to to everybody just following them
2: yeah and we have to remember that you know in north america uh the the food guidelines are actually done by our respective department of agriculture and they're in the business of selling agricultural products. And as Canadians know and Americans know, our agricultural products are wheat and corn and soybeans. Uh, And so our food pyramids, uh, for the longest time, have actually been based not on science, but actually on selling what we produce, because... Again, Department of Agricultures are in the business of selling agricultural products, and so it's it's been a real um, disservice to to all of us that these things uh, you know were good for us when in fact you know we we really never saw these degrees of autoimmune diseases you know, 50 years ago. We really never saw the degree of arthritis 50 years ago that we have now we never saw the levels of dementia and parkinson's and alzheimer's that we have now and a lot of it uh is is because of these recommendations now there's a number of other factors that have changed dramatically in in north america that i talk about in the book we call them the seven deadly disruptors and uh they're also a part of why we've become far more sensitive to these lectin-containing foods than maybe even 100 or 200 years ago.
1: So so what are those other factors?
2: Well, um, one of the things that uh, has happened to all of us is that, number one, we've about... um, Forty-five years ago, we developed broad-spectrum antibiotics. And these were miraculous in many ways, but we've used them to the point of any time we have a sniffle or a sore throat, our doctor is more than happy to give us or our kids a dose of broad-spectrum antibiotics. And what we didn't know is that these were effective at killing bacteria but they're effective at killing all bacteria, including the bacteria that live in our gut, our microbiome. And our microbiome is actually one of the main defense systems against lectins. And our microbiome is also the main way we educate our immune system, our white blood cells, as to whether they ought to you know, be calm and relax, or whether they always ought to be on edge and at threat level five, uh, anticipating an attack. The other thing that's happened is we have fed our animals antibiotics. Uh, All of our cows, our pigs, our chickens, uh, up until really this past year, it's been perfectly legal to give them antibiotics in their food as a growth promoter and what we didn't know is that those antibiotics ended up in their meat and so we have been eating antibiotics with everything we eat i think uh... the antacids that we take uh... and the acid blocking drugs uh, lower our gastric acid and interestingly enough our gastric acid uh, acid breaks down proteins and is another barrier against lectins but i think one of the most amazing things that's happened to Canada and the United States is the addition of Roundup, not only in our GMO products, uh, and that's bad enough, but Roundup, which is glyphosate, uh, is now routinely sprayed on conventional crops, on conventional soybeans, conventional wheat, conventional corn, conventional canola. As what's called a desiccant to make them dry up for easier harvesting. And this is not washed off of these products and they're in all of our commercially available crackers, breads, cookies, and they're fed to our animals. And glyphosate was thought to be harmless to humans and we don't have the time to talk why, but New evidence shows that glyphosate actually kills our microbiome, but that glyphosate also, in and of itself, is capable of causing leaky gut. So we've created a whole generation that is full of glyphosate. In fact, as you may know, uh, glyphosate is now found in the breast milk, breast milk of breastfeeding mothers. And unfortunately it's found in most California wines because glyphosate is sprayed on the weeds between the vines. So we've we've had we have an epidemic of glyphosate killing off our microbiome and causing leaky gut in and of itself. Now it used to be that Europe was protected because Europe had banned glyphosate. But this past year, the Bayer Corporation bought Monsanto, and just a few months ago, the EU uh, approved uh, the use of glyphosate in Europe, Roundup. Mm -hmm. So pretty soon, it's not going to be safe to go to Europe.
1: Uh, Well, that that is unfortunate because a lot of people say they tolerate gluten better and other foods better when they travel to Europe from North America. Yeah, Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Stephen Gundry. We're discussing his book, The Plant Paradox. We'll be back shortly.
0: The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Hi everybody, welcome back. Today we're talking with Dr. Stephen Gundry, and he's the author of *The Plant Paradox*. So, Dr. Gundry, um, in your book, you have different phases for getting started to be lectin-free. So, how does somebody go about doing this?
2: Well, the the, the first phase is um, it's called the the kickstart uh, plan. It's a it's a three-day Phase. And we, we have recipes in the book that have been contributed by a great chef in Santa Barbara who cured herself of rheumatoid arthritis by following this program. And we like people to have a, a green smoothie for breakfast and then a salad for lunch and then uh, approved vegetables. We're, we're very high on avocados. We really like yams uh, as as a vegetable the cruciferous vegetables and there's some very good evidence that in 3 days uh you will actually change your gut microbiome to a very friendly microbiome believe it or not there's there's good bugs in your gut and then there's bad bugs in your gut uh, who are gang members and uh, we we've got to drive the gang members away and this actually has been clinically proven to change uh, the microbiome to good guys. And then in, in phase two, we basically kind of teach you, it's a two-page list. It's, you know, don't eat these foods. And if you are going to eat these foods, use a pressure cooker. And then the the good page is actually far more foods than the bad page. But one of the important things we try to stress to people is, it's not what I tell you to eat that's important. It's actually what I tell you not to eat that's going to make all the difference in the world. The, the, the second point of the program is everybody knows we are what we eat, but we're also the thing we're eating ate. And so much of the patients I see, they're... If we can get them eating, for instance, grass-fed and grass-finished beef or pastured chickens, chickens that are out in the field eating bugs, or make sure they're eating wild fish, not farmed fish, because these animals that are fed what is not their diet end up not being the animals we think they are. The other thing that surprises people is that most of our fruit has been hybridized for high sugar content. So I really like people to cut back on the amount of fruit that they eat, uh, particularly in the winter. We There was no fruit in the winter. And just because uh, someone in Calgary, for instance, can have blueberries <laughs> flown in from Chile in February doesn't mean that you should be eating blueberries in February. And that's So those are part of the phases of the diet. In the third phase, once we've kind of cleaned up everybody's act, we we ask people or allow people to reintroduce uh, lectin-containing foods and see how they tolerate them. Uh, Many times, a lot of my autoimmune patients really can't ever reintroduce these foods, we see that their autoimmune disease markers begin to climb. And then when we take these foods away from them again, they return to normal.
1: Well, that is, is pretty amazing, though. I mean, I'd rather have a, a strict diet and avoid some things than, than have the symptoms of autoimmunity.
2: That's for sure. And really, one of the things that people see when I eventually, you know, convince them or they feel so much better. I mean, for instance, like Kelly Clarkson recently, she cured herself of Hashimoto's and lost 37 pounds without exercising just by following my book. She was not a patient of mine. And I think that's what's so exciting is that you can just pick up this book and follow it and you're in command of your health from then on. And people have to realize that most of the things I asked them to take out of their diet uh, were never part of the ancient human diet. They're they're modern foods that really don't have a place in our ancient human diet.
1: So when when people get started on this, um, do they ever feel, you know, detox symptoms, some unwellness as their body is getting rid of the lectins, or does anything like that happen?
2: No, uh, in fact, quite the opposite. Many people say that within two or three days, uh, a lot of their chronic pain uh, disappears. Uh, this is not a, a classic, you know, detox diet. Um, some people, particularly if we're taking away uh, in Chapter Ten, which is our ketogenic diet, some people who have high insulin levels. We'll initially get the low-carb flu or the Adkins flu, uh, but we have tricks to prevent that with MCT oil or coconut oil. So if people follow the suggestions, uh, they, they actually feel better almost from the get-go, which is exciting.
1: Uh, well that is exciting because i know if if that's something you experience like the keto flu you' you're not necessarily going to want to follow through with that exactly right yeah um, but if you start to feel well right away that's a sign that you're definitely going in the right direction
2: yeah i think that's what's so interesting about this diet and why it's been so you know hugely popular it's It's been the number one or number two book of all books on Amazon for the last couple weeks. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list for six months. The cookbook has been on the New York Times bestseller list since it came out uh, a couple months ago. And the reason this book has been so successful is that it works. And, you know, a person tells a friend who tells a friend, and that's... You know, this, you can't, it, it's not a placebo effect. Um, it, it just plain works.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, which is encouraging for sure. And it, as you said, it, you know, even if a friend is just saying, you look better, what are you doing? Um, and then people are, are starting to make those changes.
3: That's right.
1: Um, so, when, when people are, are on this diet, um, you said that you know, that you told us what they're eating in the first phase, but what sort of foods are people consuming?
2: Well, one of the things I like people to do is, one of my favorite sayings is, the only purpose of food is to get olive oil into your mouth. And uh, I, I don't mean that in jest, uh, if you look at some of the Blue Zones, uh, which I used to live in a blue zone, Loma Linda, which is just down the road from where I am in Palm Springs. Uh, you look at blue zones, and many of the blue zones use a liter of olive oil per week. Now, that's 12 to 14 tablespoons a day. Now, I don't recommend starting like that because you'll be probably running to the bathroom. But there's some beautiful studies out of Spain, looking at 65-year-old people who were put on a Mediterranean diet with a liter of olive oil per week versus a low-fat Mediterranean diet and followed for five years. At the end of five years, the people on the olive oil group had improved memory. Their memory got better despite getting five years older. And the low-fat group lost memory um, and there now very good research that the ingredients, the polyphenols in olive oil, actually make brain cells grow and develop, which is really exciting uh, in, as we age. So we like people to get olive oil into their mouth. The purpose of a salad is to get olive oil in their mouth. If you want to have some pastured or omega-3 eggs for breakfast, use it as a way of pouring olive oil onto that. Uh, we like people, believe it or not, to limit the amount of animal protein that they eat. This is absolutely not an Atkins diet. It's, in a way, the anti-Adkins diet. Because, as, as you'll see in the Plant Paradox, there is rather impressive data that animal protein, and that includes a fish or a chicken, actually is one of the main causes of aging us, which makes me sad because I grew up in Omaha and Milwaukee and lived in Michigan, so where protein is king. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Well, so you did talk about how uh, beans can be high in in lectin. So where are people going to be getting their protein from?
2: Well... A gorilla doesn't uh, wonder where he's going to get his protein from, nor does a horse. Uh, gorillas get all their protein from leaves. Horses get all their protein from grasses. In fact, the largest animals on Earth get all their protein from leaves. Uh, and we certainly can, too. The myth that we need proteins from beans or grains is simply that, a myth. Uh, if you want to have beans, and don't get me wrong, beans that are pressure cooked are a great source of fibers that our gut bugs love, but I've found that protein, that we need additional protein from what we can get in leaves as quite frankly a myth. There's oodles of protein in nuts that we can use so you don't have to have these proteins from beans or legumes
1: okay so um you know i do think that we we eat too much meat i mean i'm definitely in an area that's like <laughs> yeah. that Calgary's known for its beef um and and you know it, people go they definitely go overboard i mean it's like two three meals a day they're eating red meat and they wonder why they've got high iron and all sorts of other other problems um and you know. I, I think we just go overboard with things. Instead of having things in, in moderation, we just think, well, that's, that's delicious or, or whatever, or I need that, and then we're, we're piling it on instead of just having it as part of a, a balanced diet.
2: Yeah, there's unfortunately, we see a number of people with high iron levels and as I talk about in The Plant Paradox, uh, iron absolutely ages us. And one of the ways of, of getting iron out of your diet is to, uh, you know, lessen the amount of, of beef or pork. Uh, pork is not the other white meat, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> no. So. <laughs> um, So we we are going to have to um, close the show, but I I know that people are going to be intrigued by this. Where can they um, get more information if they want to follow through with being um, lectin-free?
2: They can can go to gundrymd.com, and you can even sign up for my daily newsletter. It's free. And the, I have a YouTube channel that you can watch. We're always posting new videos of cooking. I do a lot of cooking on the channel. And you just go to GundryMD YouTube and you can find it there. And you can find the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can go to Barnes & Noble, please go to your local bookstore, Um, because it's so popular, I I guarantee that they'll have it, although Amazon two weeks ago sold out of the book, there were so many, so uh, I guess it's a good problem to
1: have. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you've shared this information and made it available to everybody. And thank you so much for joining me today.
2: All right. Well, thank you for having me. And let's let's teach people how to take control of their lives. That's what I think you and I are, are here for.
1: Exactly. And I want to thank everybody for listening. This is how you can take control of your life. Um, so thank you so much. And be sure to make today a great day.